0: to jump in then if you guys want to start with the isomnium uh dispute i think we should do that first um cool (laughs) Cool. all right in in our very first uh burn and apology session here we've got isomnium it's one of the newer games that we've talked about and we've talked about it in the context of the visual novel sort of thing we were looking at. And um, we have kind of branched out from a general overview of the visual novel uh, genre or or sort of medium or whatever you want to call it. Uh, We've read a bit of the cyber text uh, essay collection or book, or or, I don't know, like dissertation, of uh Espen Arseth which is kind of foundational for studying this kind of stuff and now we're going to do like a little case study of um, this game Isomnium keeps on I call it that but it's it's the Somnium Files I guess is technically the subtitle um but uh I think Ben you you're on the burn side this time you're going to attack this game so give it everything you got and then Steve can can defend it uh, to the best of his ability. And we'll go from there, all right? Sounds it should good. To be a pretty weak, a weak <laughs>
1: defense.
2: <laughs> I have faith in you. Um, I, I suspect the defense Oof. is the more honorable side to take in any of these discussions anyhow. Um, I feel a little bad being the antagonist on this one, but I'm not feeling too bad about it. So, um, <laughs> The fact of the matter is, like, I did get I the Somnium files. I was looking forward to playing it. I saw that it was from the same guys who made uh, the Nonary games, the Zero Escape games, which I had thoroughly enjoyed. Um, so I was looking forward to it, booted it up, and... Wasn't quite immediately dismayed, but it didn't take me long to realize I was looking at something very different from what I had encountered before. Um, Like, I'm open to all sorts of new weird stuff, but a lot of the decisions in this game were were kind of baffling to me. Um, First and foremost, as I mentioned in my my whole essay on Danganronpa, um, I am a prude. Uh, I have a limited tolerance for sexual content, especially in a gratuitous or just out-of-place fashion. Um, it it had always been something that kind of irked me about the Notary games, that occasionally you'd be, like, exploring a room and the protagonist would drop some really, like, crass sexual innuendo or something. It would just be strange. Like, you're all about to get murdered. Why is this on your mind right now? Um... Danganronpa, <laughs> Danganronpa, since I've been playing that, I feel a lot more tolerant of it, because they're all horny teenagers anyway, so it's kind of like, well, yeah, we're all going to die, so why not you know, get caught up in the whole sexual discussion? Plus, that game's tone is just all over the place anyway. Um, But I feel like it was even more egregious here in Eye of the Somnium Files, like, not just on the level of, like, there were all these weird out-of-place sexual innuendos, but first they were constant, like, you couldn't get through the first two hours of the game without, like, every ten minutes he was making some remark about, you know, Eye, his eyeball avatar friend being really sexual or his boss being really sexual like I've taken my fair share of those workplace sexual harassment videos like that is definitely not acceptable behavior um, and then just to top it all off like you one of the first characters that you're introduced to is is the the teen idol who immediately it becomes this quasi-sexual relationship and it's just really uncomfortable um so that was sort of the first thing that was driving me nuts about the game like it just the it was trying to go for this very serious we are a procedural detective tone and yet it comes off as so juvenile so much of the time um so consider that its first demerit uh, the second thing that really frustrated me that kind of stuck out is the actual, like, somnium, the, the puzzle sections. Um right. In the, the non-ray games, like, obviously, you you alternate the long story beats and, and all the, you know, drama of all these characters trying to, like, figure out what's going on and sort of get out of their horrible circumstances. Uh, they're juxtaposed against these sort of adventure game, explore the room and escape the room sort of puzzles where you're trying to, like, get out of the situation. Um... And throughout the Nonary games, they're all themed. So like, you go into the, the like medical room and now you've got to solve a medical related puzzle. Like you've got to you know do something anatomy related or you're in the room that has all the fancy chemicals and now you're like combining chemicals to, to get out of the room. Um, there's a certain amount of thematic significance to it and there's a certain amount of logic to it. Um, but the conceit of the Somnium files is that you are hanging out in people's dreams um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like Psychonauts did the same thing. Like you're exploring people's dream- dreams, and it was amazing. Like you get to see the mm-hmm. sort of psychic landscape of all these different characters. Um, but the trouble with these little puzzle sections was all of the the sort of logic that you need in order to solve an escape the room adventure game ish puzzle is. Absolutely jettisoned in favor of this sort of surreal dream logic, which isn't necessarily a turnoff. It's just so baffling. Like there's no logic to what is the next thing that you do, what is the the next action you take, um, and you know the the surreal dreamscape worlds that you're exploring seem if anything, only distantly connected to the characters, at least the the first two, which was as far as I got through the game. Um, so, you know, it just, found, I found it very frustrating. Like, it was taking a long time with the the dialogue sections, which were very much spoiled for me by the constant sexual innuendo and the, like, constant undermining of the characters by this wacky, out of pace tone. And then on top of it, it's like, and now the actual functional game part of the game is in a logical like navigate the surreal dream sequence thing, which just didn't follow to me. Um, so I suspect those were those were the two main things that I that I drew out. And again, I have no idea if it gets better. I got two and a half hours, in and I was like, nope, we're done. I have other things I could be doing, and then proceeded to do them. <laughs>
1: Right on,
0: right on. All right, Steve, let's hear it.
1: Uh, well, you know, I think I, I will concede, um, and I think I even mentioned this when I when we first started talking about this game a while ago uh, that the sexual comments definitely ruined the immersion, um, and I, I didn't, I wasn't particularly fond of them, um, but I also think that as the game went on there were they were a lot less free, frequent yeah. um, and I don't think that they were enough to keep me from like pursuing the game any further right. um, so while it did make me uncomfortable I didn't like it. Um, it it wasn't enough to derail the game because the story I felt uh, was extremely good uh, you know it had a kind of a similar VLR branching paths you have to Get certain endings before you can go to another one. Um, But so the story, I thought it was good. Um, It was more like Ace Attorney, I felt like. Because like you said, you weren't in the the Zero Escape games, you were confined to like one discrete enclosed area. Um, In this one, you're kind of going around different areas in the real world. So um, it definitely was different, and it took me a while to get into it. But I think the more I played it, the more I really enjoyed the puzzles um, because it it really I didn't like them at first, um, but then you kind of learn the tricks and i I really appreciated the fact that you were exploring someone's dream in the subconscious and you were you know able to explore kind of like what their fears were um or you know what their desires were um, and so you were really able to get a lot more background on a lot of these characters um furthermore the rules of these dream sequences actually did a pretty good job of foreshadowing um some of the the later plot points and a lot of the things like make sense later on down the road um you know i i think you go to the zero escape games and, and i guess like the whole you know why are you escaping the room right like some of the puzzles were good but they didn't a lot of them didn't add anything to the story uh it was just kind of like in the middle like you might learn one or two like minor things but i thought that by being able to dive into someone's subconscious um see what they're thinking and i I, yeah i will concede that a lot of these were moon logic right like a lot of the kind of point-and-click adventure games back in the day where you had to do some kind of really obscure, get the mirror and flash it on something and, uh, you know, melt, so, you know, it, the moon logic was there. But I think because of the way that it was structured, where you have a time limit, and if you go down a path that's incorrect, you get to restart it, right? So it, it, it kind of encouraged you to explore and see what a bunch of these different things did. Uh, but none of them were stuck and couldn't beat them. Because, again, uh, similar to kind of how Ghost Trick, you'd have a checkpoint at a certain point if you got far enough to like let you know, okay, you, you at least got to the half point. Like, you can't go down an avenue that was incorrect uh, for, for too long. Um, but I, I, I think it's a shame that you stopped at two hours because I think that's when it really starts to kind of get better. Um, and I don't blame you for, for, for not playing more. Cause again, like, and Wes, correct me if, if are you, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, just because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, played it more recently than I have. Um, and maybe I just kind of blocked it out of my mind that the sexual comments got, um, better as the game went on, or, or maybe I just tolerated them more that you know, whatever it is. Um,
0: yeah, I think that they they drop away a bit uh, in in terms of how large they loom uh, in the whole the scope of the story. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I, I and I actually kind of appreciated the lack of logic in the puzzles because it kind of subverts your expectations, right? Like you get into that and it's like these make no sense, and that's kind of to me that was kind of like an interesting way to attack to, to do these puzzles. Um because again, like I, I, I don't know. To me, it was just uh it's just kind of like a middle finger to the escape the room where you have to, you know, take the, the crush CO2 and put it in a bag and then get a key and like do all this weird stuff where you're like just kind of trapped. Um it was like, you know what? No, there isn't gonna be any logic to this. Just like goof around, try to figure it out in yourself by yourself like learn learn the plot see some of these funny things that happen um and and i think that's that's really it and i just thought that you know again the the story was good was very good there yeah yeah yeah. um uh, it, it was interesting because there are a ton of red herrings in that game and there's a ton of things that happen in that game that are never explained and i at the end, I was like, you know what? I don't even care what the answer is um, for for why uh, one of the characters seemed to defy physics um, or be able to defy physics. Uh, the random quick-time events that you had to do where it's like, well, why the hell am I shooting a gun in this game? Like, where did this quick-time event come from? Um, and, and so, like, I, I, to me, I just... it it was a good ride. It was a good mystery. Uh, the fact, and I don't want to necessarily spoil the entire story for you in case you do want to go back and visit it. Um, but I, the the rules that Uchikoshi, I think that's his Mm -hmm. name lays out. Um, I, I think it was just a very well structured story. Um, that is definitely marred by those sexual comments. Um, but overall, it, it was a very—I I don't know—just like it, it was an enthralling story. I mean, I, I played; I basically beat it in one weekend, and it's like a thirty-hour game. Wow. So obviously, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. So yeah, that's that's about it.
2: That's high for Plus,
1: and going through there, it all at once like that. Uh, yeah. Well, when when it, you're you know, during a pandemic, when uh. You're single, and there's nothing really else to do. Uh, you you can do that. You have that freedom.
3: Is, um, I'm sorry. This sounds familiar. Is this an anime as well? Like the right. the name sounds so familiar.
2: I don't
1: know. No, uh, no. I, I think this is like a. Top. Oh, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. Dagon or whatever. Yeah, that yeah. one.
2: Dagon does have an anime and. Like it's ever since the first game was released, it actually got like a whole lot of traction, and a lot of people are really into it. As far as I can tell, like I'm not entirely sure if it, the the cause and effect on this one, but I know that there's more Danganronpa stuff out there than just the games. Yeah, I feel
3: like I've seen the anime before.
0: Yeah, and Ben, I know you've written about this at length, but I wonder if you could like help us calibrate. Uh, what is it about Danganronpa that you 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 sit you sit through you, like you said you you kind of um, let it slide uh, and and yet with Isomnium, you're like no uh, I'm taking taking uh, my time and putting it somewhere else.
2: Yeah, I I think a lot of it actually comes down to the hook. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I that I really enjoyed about the original 999, one of the things that really like drew me in was this structure the, the idea that you know here are all these characters here's this obvious really clear cut problem namely they're all gonna die the serial killer they're being pitted against one another and this you know series of rules like all of that really appealed to me there was a there was a very clear sort of through line on what was what was to come. Um, there was all these mysteries that were posed right at the beginning. What is behind this door? This door? This door? Um, and it's it very much kept me kept me coming back to it. Um, likewise, Danganronpa has an equally straightforward and and simple sort of you know hook to it. Like here are all of these you know fifteen high school students. They're being locked in their their. Um, high school for unexplained reasons, and they are being told that you cannot leave unless you successfully kill someone and get away with it. Um, so the plot hook is is a major part of it, but the other part is just the way that it's presented. Um, like the, I felt like uh, the Somnium Files didn't have as strong a hook. Like it has the murder, which is you know. It, like it does sort of make me curious how did this happen why did this happen what's going on here but at the same time like compared to the murders that happen in both the Nonary games and Danganronpa they don't play it up very much like you have to investigate it but you end you end up in this weird situation where you're investigating the murder using adventure game logic. So you know you're clicking on the same thing over and over and over again, hearing the same description over and over and over again. You don't know. You know. Th- then immediately after you do the crime scene, it just throws you into the the dream sequence, and then you're back at your your like office with the boss and it was really hard to put my finger on what exactly was going on at any given moment like every time i started to get a sense of where this game was going it would throw some you know curveball at me like oh and his eyeball is also sentient and also a pretty girl like that was it was really hard for me to wrap my head around like what we were doing where we were going And then when you get into the dream sequence and it's like, surprise, nothing makes sense. It's like, well, of course nothing makes sense. Nothing has made sense thus far. Why would it start now? Um, (laughs) But the other part of it is the tone. Like, both the Danganronpa and the Nanari games have a very clear-cut tone from the outset. And while both of them kind of play with that tone, both of them sort of violate it from time to time... Um, I think they're at sort of interesting opposite ends of the spectrum. Like the non games is very, very serious. Like you go in and it's you know, look, it's the plot of Saw but a video game. Um, it's serious and the characters are serious <laughs> about it and everyone's scared and really frightened and you know they're all worried that, for themselves. And
1: one of the guy, and one of the guys blows up in like the first like five minutes of the game.
2: Yeah, and and they don't you know, pull those punches. Like it's messy. It's, it's scary. Um, you know, there there are a couple of sequences. Like, you played through the first time, and of course you can't beat 999 the first time you play it. So, you know, you're necessarily going to see characters die and characters that you've come to care about because, you know, they do a good job of writing them. And because everybody is there taking it seriously, you take it seriously as well. The game sort of prompts you, this is what it's going to be like. And then those weird, offbeat comments they are kind of partitioned. Like, you run into them only infrequently at best. Danganronpa takes the other, like, tack entirely. Like, the entire game has this very cartoony sort of animation style. It's very over-the-top. So, you know, when the stuffed bear mascot shows up and says he's going to start getting everyone to kill everyone, you're just like, sure, why not? Why wouldn't this be the case? Um, But it's paired with that really straightforward setup. Like, here are all these teenagers. Here are their characters. And they even give you this great section where they identify every single one of them. Like, all of the characters are an ultimate something. You have the ultimate swimmer, the ultimate baseball star, the ultimate affluent progeny, um, the ultimate pop idol. Like, all of these characters are given something to you know, appeal to you for you to remember right from the outset, which is brilliant. Like I remember when I was reading catch 22 and I first picked up on how you introduce like 60 billion different characters all at once by using these like Homeric epitaphs practically. Um, and it was just really well executed but at the same time they are high schoolers so yeah they're horny and yes they're emotionally all over the place and you'll have people like threatening you one second and then you know weeping the next like because each of the characters is in this sort of archetypal form anything can happen Um, and then as they're starting to die again because you've got that connection because you've made that connection you feel for them Whereas in the Somnium Files, they're doing the procedural detective drama, we're very serious. But then you've got all the surrealism thrown in, like, how serious are we? What are the rules of this universe? Is murder really all that bad? What is happening here? Um, furthermore, you know, the character who is murdered from the outset, you have zero connection to. It's just a dead body in an amusement park. Um, sure, you have a connection to the daughter, but then you've got even more questions, like why is this daughter living with this guy in the first place? Why is she related to, like, half of the cast? Like, there's a lot I mean, yeah. that I could Yes,
1: yeah. deep. I was just trying to pique your interest, right? Like, if you played <laughs> the yeah, you, you know, those are good questions to have. That's that's uh, that's why you play the game, though. I guess you just weren't interested in the answers.
2: Well, the, the thing is, like... <laughs> As much as, you know, asking questions is really important, I feel like you need a baseline sense of reality to, to pose, to, to understand what's, what's at stake. Like, if a character gets murdered in a world where murders happen every day, that's less horrifying than a situation where a character gets murdered where they don't. Um, like, you don't it's hard for me to put my finger on what's going on with the world of the Somnium files. Should I be upset? Should I not be upset? Does everybody have eyeball implants? Does nobody do families frequently disintegrate and end up living at grown men's houses? Why are we doing this? Like it was so far away from all the reality that I know that it was really hard for me to make that baseline. Whereas with both the nonary games and Danganronpa, it's presented as though the, like the characters are all in a situation that they already consider abnormal. They're all you know reflecting on their life and how they have suddenly been removed from it. And because it is self-contained, you get to learn the situation of all the characters as you go, in both cases. Whereas Isomnium Files assumes a greater world where presumably the status quo is still in effect, and you have no idea what that status quo is. So you don't know how much is abnormal and how much is normal. Like murder presumably is abnormal. Everyone seems to be concerned that the little kid is, you know, huddled in the the carousel holding the knife or the the pick or whatever. But Mm -hmm. it's like, and then she goes home and obviously she's not gonna talk to you, but how close was she to her mother? It's hard to say. How close is she to her family? It's hard to say. She's apparently related or has a close connection to this teen idol you're hanging out with, and yet she doesn't seem to be overly concerned about the situation. Like, it was really hard for me to track the relationships because the usual assumptions I would make about them didn't seem to to hold. Um, I didn't know how characters related to each other in this world, or in this game for that matter. Um, Whereas, you know, in both the non games and Danganronpa, you're talking about perfect strangers who are building those relationships in the first place, um, using certain tried and true stereotypes and caricatures to sort of pad it along for sure. But as I said in the essay, Danganronpa actually does a really good job of like introducing those caricatures and then subverting them over the course of the game, giving you more depth to work with. So you originally have something to hold on to, and then as you're holding on to it, as you've got this clear-cut thing in mind, then they play with your expectations rather than sort of disabling all of your expectations at the outset and then letting you just fend for yourself.
1: All right, Steve. Is
0: yeah. be a closing remark here?
1: Uh, no, I, I cede my time. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I listen. I I completely understand. I I started um, the the Somnian Files once. Got like an hour and a half in. Like, did not feel compelled to finish it. But then I like restarted it again and, and played through. Uh, and I'm really happy that I I did. I mean, the thing is, like, all the all the questions that Ben has are like very good, legitimate questions. Um, yeah. But you do figure it out. Um, and I'm not sure. All the answers are, are satisfactory. I mean, some of them are still kind of weird,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I think you know. So I, there, I, I guess as the game progresses, more people die with their eyes gouged out, mm-hmm. um, and so the, the you know so the person becomes the Cyclops killer, um, and yeah, I don't know. It, it it's just a very interesting, mystery. Does um, oh wait? It does. You said uh, Agon, whatever you call it. Right. That has branching paths, right? It does yeah, not. Okay. Uh, no, not that
2: I know. Uh, of. Oh, did? Yeah, like.
1: Oh, oh, really? Okay, so it's linear.
2: Yeah. the The first game is, at least as far as I know, and you know, I, I was fairly thorough. It is totally linear. It does have like one branching path fairly late in the game, which is you know basically the equivalent of a bad ending. Um, but not, Hmm. you know, a serious branch in any way. Instead, yeah, it's actually really, like the structure is really rigorous. It is, you know, you always start with random storytelling, character development, then you have a murder, then you investigate the murder, then you have the trial. You find out who's guilty, they are punished, and the cycle continues. Um, So it, it becomes episodic. Rather than
1: like branching in a sense. Okay. Right. Okay.
0: Oh. Well, it sounds. I mean, it sounds kind of like the structure of the voting, right, or the or the trials, uh, or something like that. There's. It's interesting to me how that um, kind of judicial component is there in that game, and. That's something that's really notably absent from uh, the uh, the Samian files. You are strictly in the position of the investigator, um, and at times like pseudo action hero, I guess, uh, delving into people's subconscious or shooting guns at things kind of randomly.
1: Um, yeah, I still and have no idea why they added that to the game. <laughs> I, it really makes no sense to me why Savvy Files had Quick Time events, but whatever.
0: There are few. There's a few moments where what? the game becomes like showing evidence, and you have to co- like correctly choose the evidence to show.
3: Okay.
0: Uh, but there's really no great weight placed on those, and there's really no consequences if you mess up. Also. Um, so you can really just brute force the game, and, and I guess that maybe is uh, a bit of a like a, a failure on its part. Uh, you're looking for a more I don't know challenging experience. Um, it it really just is does just take time.
2: Yeah, I think I think uh, you but, put uh, your finger on a lot of yeah. a lot of my frustration, honestly. Like it, I think a lot of it is the structure. You know, like when I'm when I'm sitting here talking about, you know, I, I have the baseline sense of reality, I know what the rules are, like that's very clear from the outset. Like in both Dangan Rampa and the Nanari uh, games, there's there's a very clear structure to it. You were told, like you're, you're 20 minutes into the game and it says here is what the game is going to look like there's in, in the notary games it's like okay you're going to go explore and then you're going to have this moment, this big stressful like social interaction and then you're going to go explore and then there's going to be this big stressful social interaction and Danganronpa is the same way like you're going to have murders you're going to have trials and wash rinse and repeat until the end of the game um, Somnium Files by taking the procedural as it's as its sort of jumping-off point, um, it puts agency in the protagonist's hands. Like, you're not being forced to do what you're doing. Instead, you are responsible for making choices, which makes it all the more strange when your protagonist character doesn't do what you, the player, would do. Um, Like, procedurals are actually really hard to adapt to the video game medium. Very few have really pulled it off um like there there have been a fair number of detective stories especially when they take a very strictly linear path like an adventure game Um, like you think of the old tex murphy games or the new blackwell uh series that's been around for at this point 15 years new maybe just me being old um the only other game that i can really think of that really did it well are the phoenix wright games as we've sort of been Pointing to, um, and then *La Noir, which is very much its own beast, and nothing else has done anything like it. Um, but it's it's even those games struggle with a lot of those a lot of those elements, those procedural elements. Like, you know, in *Phoenix Wright*, you are very much strapped to the railroad tracks. It's up to you to figure out how the pieces fit together, but it's going to make you find all the pieces before you can do anything. The same is true with *Danganronpa*. L.A. Noir gives you a little bit more wiggle room as far as missing pieces and, and getting coming to the wrong conclusion, um, but not a whole lot. Like, the fact of the matter is, if you went into a trial without sufficient evidence, the game wouldn't be fair to you. Um, so it, it does kind of hold your hand throughout the process. The fact is, it doesn't matter in Phoenix Wright, and Dang and even in L.A. Noir to some degree, because it does do all that hand-holding. But in the Somnian files, you just you just don't know why he's doing what he's doing. It, like you you understand that this is apparently something he does all the time, but you have no idea what that is. It's you know like all the weirdness of Minority Report without you know the very clear cut Steven Spielberg direction. Uh, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, so so yeah, like I think it's an interesting problem. I think it may very well just be me and my overly analytical mind that <laughs> was driven away from this one. Um, so I, I am willing to admit that like it's not all the game's fault. It's definitely some subjective elements on my end. Um, but I do feel like it it definitely muffed the the hook. It didn't catch me in the opening, and if. If, Steve, you're, you're saying the first hour and a half didn't do it for you either, then I feel at least somewhat vindicated, even if I am, like, one half hour away from finally getting invested.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Can no, I... Pur- d- I... Uh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, you go. Just, what... what do you remember what it was that, that finally got you, really, like, it really pushed you um, to where you just went through the rest of the game?
1: Uh, no, I I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know what when I became hooked and I said, okay, I like I'm invested in this. Um, I do remember the second time I was playing it through because I, you know, I restarted the game and I just, you know, fresh and I'm like, wait, and I like after the first decision where you can go on a branching path, I'm like, wait, I don't remember this at all. And like, so I kept on going, I'm like, wait, what's going on here? So, It was kind of like, I I was, I thought I was going crazy, maybe. The
2: game has changed without you
1: noticing. And so I just kept on playing to see, like, yeah, I was like, I was like, wait, I don't remember this at all. Like, what the hell's going on? I know I got past this. Like, I I knew about the whole sync thing. And I, you know, I think it's the first one where, I forget the the girl's name, but it's the young girl. You do, you go into her uh, dreams. And I guess the first time I went on path A, second time path B. And then I just kept on playing to be like, wait, I'm going to see how long it takes until I get to like something that's familiar. Um, but no, I, I think I think a lot of if I had not played the 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 Nonary games or the you know the Zero Escape games, I probably would not have powered through it um, to to get to a point where like I thought it was like really cool, um, or, or to where like I felt compelled to finish it. Right.
2: Like, if you had just picked it That's up on a lark, it wouldn't have appealed to you. But since you, since you trusted the devs, since you had seen, you know, what they could do with this sort of format, it, it worked.
1: Right. I, you know, I gave them the benefit of the doubt that I was like, okay, well, I'm going to give them a chance. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, just the, a few more uh, storylines. But I do agree. Like, the, the sinking, you know, the going to other people's consciousness, it, it is very odd. Um And a lot of it is that moon logic, but in math for whatever, like I, I really don't understand how they like, why they did it the way that they did it. And it, and it wasn't like I was halfway through the game that I figured out like the best way to go about it. Oh, you know what? I think what got me hooked was the second sink okay. where you're in. Uh, like some kind of warehouse, and there's like a TV, um, yes, and the butterfly, uh, and there was like, and you go like go around there, and there was like a bunch of mannequins, and, and like there were, I forget what what did the mannequins do, like some uh, something with a gun being shot, Yeah, um, they represent the
0: bodies of the first Cyclops killer, so there's this like ride right. back to a, a sort of a dark past this other killer who took people's eyes. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So I think, I think that was probably when I started getting good because I, I also think the first two, uh, sync, you know, episodes that you have are very basic and they are kind of boring and I, they do not encourage you to, to want to play any further. Um, but as you go down the road, um, they get a lot crazier, but they also get a lot more fun to kind of like explore uh, the worlds, um, you know, these people's consciousness. Nice.
3: When you see All these right. people's Go consciousness, ahead. like, because uh, I've never seen the thing or anything, um, so do you like walk around as them in their mind and their memories or something? Or
1: there's a machine, the yeah, there's like a machine that, uh, you know, it hooks up two people and one of them is able to kind of go into the other person's consciousness, I guess. Um, what do you see
3: when you're in there? Like, what's it look like? It's usually it's like, like a, random a, a room dream?
2: Or, or space or something. Like, uh, the first yeah. time you're, you're literally just in you know, a room... In, like an apartment or something and you're wandering around the second one you're at a at a carnival like right around the, the carousel where the first murder is staged so you've usually got yeah. like some wild you know trapper keeper-esque background going on and, and obvious distortions and objects and stuff but other than that like it's it's amazing it, it, yeah it's it's like um you know, the the old adventure games like where you would click to, to move to from point to point like mist or something. Um, you gotta kind of imagine that paired with, you know, all of the adventure game logic of being able to click on stuff and change things and make stuff happen. You know, turn on the light to make this happen and then this happens and then you can do this and so on.
1: And I guess it's it's a I should have added like the whole and I, Then I think when you kind of mentioned minority report, you know, kind of the line of thinking I'm going down right now. But, yeah, it's like the police have this way to interrogate people by using this machine. And so, like, the whole premise is, like, you go into their consciousness to, like, get evidence of a crime that they committed or maybe, you know, like, evidence of uh you know, where a missing person might be or something like that. So it's a tool used by the po- by the police to interrogate people who otherwise would not like, answer you. What?
3: Are they still alive when they're interrogated?
1: Yes. Yeah, they're just yeah, they're yes. asleep.
2: It's okay. kind of like okay. if the inception guys solved crimes instead of perpetrating them. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Got it. All right. It's- That's kind of cool. And then you kind of have to, like, do, like, an escape room of their conscience to, like, unlock the secret? Pretty much.
0: Exactly. Yep.
3: Oh, interesting. That sounds cool. I, Despite my yeah,
2: best stuff, it think sounds like Corey it. is on board. <laughs> Until you get over
0: that first hour and a half or so. Yeah, yeah.
2: just just get through the oh. first couple hours, and, and then maybe everything will be smooth sailing.
1: Yeah. I mean, Wes, did yeah, you feel I, this? I
2: have going to watch somebody? you.
1: Wes did you feel the same way like that it was just kind of slow and it took a while to get in or or like when were you
0: well like kind of like you said on the authority of the developer I took your word for it and I was like okay this is like kind of weird but I'll keep playing and yeah I think um, as you get to meet a few more of the characters uh, I, I really kind of love hated the kid who wrote um, novels in his free time he's like <laughs> he's, he's really uh, uh, he's a he's a really interesting character um kind of down on his luck this is... like young man uh i could i could really relate to in some ways and also just like despised in other ways um liked him a lot and and that's the, right he's before a... you meet.
1: yeah he's the, he's the one that's like obsessed with uh a set right yep. that's the one yep. you're talking about yeah yeah okay
0: And he's clearly covering for her, right, and trying to protect her. Um, But um, but then she turns out to be, like, unexpectedly sinister in some ways, uh, which also was, like, pretty interesting to me. I liked how the characters are not what they appear, basically. Like, they they all have some interesting um, depth to them uh, that comes out sooner or later as you're going along. So it really does, yeah, it doesn't hook you right away, but when it does get you, like, I couldn't, I really wanted to know what was going to happen next um, and what, yeah. you know, would have happened if I'd done something different. At a certain point you have to go and explore different branches and whatnot, so
3: yeah. What part if, was that for you where you was like, I wish I would have done something different?
0: Well, uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised, I guess, uh, at the first ending that I got. It was like um, not at all what I was expecting to like find out from the game. It was totally tangential. Um, so at that point, I was like, "Okay, I clearly like went the dumb way. I need to go and, like do something randomly, a little different at some point uh, to change things." Um, it's not obvious like what effect the things you're doing in the dream is going to have, though. It's really just like trial and error. So, uh,
1: yes, yeah. yes, there, there, there is no no logic to to ninety percent of the puzzles.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. I do think that it makes you wonder about the way the subconscious and the, the everyday consciousness or whatever kind of work. It makes you wonder about the limits of technology, right? And like whether having a sentient eyeball person might be, you know, kind of like the, the homunculus, right? The idea that there's like a little person in your mind that's you somehow. Um, that's, that's the kind of stuff that it's, it's making me think about. And then, of course, there's the you know, trademark weird mythological and right. mystical stuff just kind of, like, thrown in because you may as well, I guess, to, like, balance out the crude, crass stuff that's also thrown in. Like, I don't know. I, I like it. I, I, my, my verdict is, yeah, this game is worth playing um, for all its flaws, but, um, but you do have to get past, like, dirty magazine jokes and just, like, the de rigueur... Um, hmm. Unexpected curveballs that, that come out. So mm-hmm. anyway. And there's like a music
1: live. video at the end. <laughs> I feel like yeah. <laughs> oh I was gonna gosh.
0: say our next discussion. Like men in black. I, like, we have to do a close analysis of this poem, uh the song that I that A set sings. Uh we have to like really dig in and like figure out what it all means, um sometime.
1: But that's I listen to that pretty regularly. Gets <laughs> me, gets me going in the morning. It's it's actually pretty, I, I like it.
0: Or, you know, what like late at it? night, like at 3 a.m. Maybe you're just like watching a stream of somebody dancing around in their living room. Like, yeah, sure. That's, I have that's a normal so many thing.
2: questions. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs>
0: uh, okay. okay. I'm going to close it there. I'm going to call it. Uh, but we, we will surely revisit some of this material as we go along. Um uh, do do we want to missing
3: some stuff in the in the um so for like the Al Al Sami Samian or whatever yeah. I can't. pronounce it I saw um you. I saw me thank you um I just have like a like a palm it looks like or maybe it's a song and then yeah. the um the danggo and ronpa. Yeah. um I just have those two but I feel like I'm missing something because was there anything else like in there?
0: That's all that's in there right now. Okay. That, that's the extent. And then I guess a link to I this if
2: I was audio at some
0: point. Um, oh. But I also, like, we do want to go and talk about those uh, previous games by the same developer at some point as well. So that'll be on the horizon eventually. <laughs> OK. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you guys want to talk about the, the forest and stuff Briefly or should we just push that to and like combine it with the, the next bit next week?
2: Um, I'm good either right. way. I know I emailed you and we thought about talking through some of the programming stuff that you wanted to do. Um, yeah. so we could like do that now or we could do that separately. I am open to suggestion.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh that's a good idea, actually. A little bit of Other sort of extra stuff. Um, Is that okay with you, Steve, if we talk about other random stuff to do with the academy, and then the forest king Uh, and see monsters next week? ah, Oh yes,
1: I I do. Um, Man, the forest king—it's a good, it's a good part of the game. But uh, yeah, no, we we can put that off till next week.
3: I want to say congrats on that on that um, kill there. Uh, the way. First, thank you. I didn't think he was killable, from what I've seen. But he—he
0: he had to fort? disconnect.
3: Uh, oh, the no, no. oh, dude, yeah, yeah, Adam,
0: right, right. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. that's yeah. yet another episode I
3: think down the line. Though. I just wanted to yeah. say oh, that, that was impressive. It yeah. took.
1: Oh my god, I I'm so under leveled on that because <laughs> it's like we really didn't do as many of the side quests as we probably should have. Um. And now we're kind of locked out for for a while before, before we can accomplish anymore. But you know, whatever. Hard mode.
0: Challenge mode. Pretty <laughs>
3: awesome.
0: In um, so in your so if you look down a bit, you'll see another little room called programming. Uh, nice. You're and personal friend. Sorry, I got distracted by the Japanese post you made. I will look at that. In a <laughs> the uh the programming section has but one thing in it i believe uh two things i guess mm-hmm. so one comes from ben uh the uh the resources there i had never heard of any of those except um kyle, kyle Gabler, our close and personal friend right developer of a uh, world of goo and little inferno so he's got a couple games that like simulate coding in a way um yeah, I think he told me about those, but then a bunch of other stuff here. Uh, I don't know anything about. And you say some of these are are they do stuff with schools, maybe?
2: Yeah, um, I was poking around Zachtronics' page because I know that he's been doing coding related games for at this point like decades. Um, I think his first game, the one, the first one that I played was Space Chem. It was like way back in the first round when indie games were just starting to pick up, and like. I don't know, twenty ten, twenty eleven. So he's been around for a while, and I know he's got an arrangement where he will provide games to educational institutions for, if not free, then it's pretty dang close. Um, like he is frequently, like his whole his whole shtick, his whole project. Um, His whole sort of modus operandi as a developer is these games that simulate coding, like, either in a 2D space or with, you know, other sort of addenda attached to it. I mean, he's got something like a dozen games at this point. Uh, He's got Space Chem, which was all about, like, combining chemicals, but it's all just this procedural, like, 2D space where you're just moving atoms around. Um, He did Infinifactory, which is the same thing, only in a 3D space, so you've got, you know, more dimensions to work with, but it doesn't make it any easier. Um, He's done a couple of, like, legitimate coding games, like, um, uh, what was the one, was it Moloch Synthes and Synthetic IO? I don't remember, no, Moloch Synthes is another one, but he did a couple of yeah Shenzhenio. io um that one i have not played most of his other stuff i've at least taken a stab at um tis 100 i played that one that one was very interesting because it's all about parallel processing um, oh my
0: god so scary
2: <laughs> yes and yet he makes it very simple and very understandable um, like that's that's what he does. Like he takes programming concepts and boils them down to their, their very constituent parts. Um, but in addition, like he's got this, he's he's you know perfected his craft over time to the point that like Opus Magnum actually did make a pretty big splash when it came out. And I know there were quite a few other like YouTubers and developers that I follow who were in fact competing to optimize the the machines that they were making. Cool. Uh, like, one of the things that is characteristic of his games is he will show you three leaderboards at the end of each thing. that At the end of each program you create, basically. One of which is uh, how long did it take you to complete it, one of which is how many movements did it take to complete? So, you know, you're, you're constantly trying to optimize, like make it as fast as possible, as few parts as possible, as inexpensive as possible. Like it, it very much puts you in the engineer's headspace, um, while not requiring the engineer's education or fiddly sort of like knowledge. Um, so they're really interesting like they're they're very very good games um, Even if they will occasionally get to the point that you're just like juggling way too much and you need to put it down because your head hurts um, So both of the like all of his entries are good. Kyle Gappler um, the human resource department and seven billion humans are similar um, Zachtronics is more about like how to represent programming concepts spatially, visually Whereas Gabler yeah. is more about actually doing programming um, and you basically are automating human beings wandering around on the screen, like teaching them what to do, um, which has Kyle Gabler's usual sense of irony that it is a bunch of robots getting humans to do manual programmed labor for them.
0: I completely forgot. I was going to start off with an icebreaker where you guys were going to click all, all of the, all of the, Pictures with boats in them to prove you weren't robots before we started the, uh, the debate. Um, yeah, I forgot. Dang it. Uh, so you escaped my capture.
2: Uh, because, uh, I'll never know if you're a robot. <laughs> put, it, put it in our pocket for later. We can't get our near uh, automata without proving we're human at some point. right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff like that out there, and more and more developers are sort of getting into games that simulate programming programming or that you know deal with in, interesting programming concepts um so i know that so you, yeah go ahead cory
3: it's a game where you're like pretending to be a programmer and they give you like different problems that a programmer might face and that's how you get through the game some
2: of them yes some of them no exactly. like um the the two games by Gabbler definitely put you in the position of a programmer again only you're programming humans um the, a couple of the other ones that I listed, like Wild, True, Learn, is you as a programmer. Um, but Zatronic's games, uh, like, sometimes he'll have you hard code stuff and then you're, you know, a programmer or at least an, an enthusiast. Like TIS-100 has you discovering this mysterious old Russian computer and you're basically, like, working from a crappy... Uh, user manual to try and program your own programs um but a lot of his other games put you in a, in a different position entirely like you're in charge of manufacturing chemicals or you're an alchemist trying to combine various like alchemical formulae. um it's just that the devices that you use simulate programming logic in various ways um but again like it varies from game to game, um, so sometimes it is like legitimately here is you know here, here is an if statement. How does this if statement work in the the code that you're building? Other times it's like you know here is this fancy new doodad that will choose, you know, one kind of object as to another, and you can sort one to the left, one to the right, how are you going to incorporate this into your overall machine? Both are using if statements, it's just that one is modeling it physically, while the other is, like, asking you to, you know, do programming. Um, It remains abstract.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... But there is kind of a story to that game. It sounds like too the the whole human resources department uh, yeah. drama.
2: there's some some really great cutscenes in that one, as and like the the trailer was what really sold me on it. Like the the premise that you know at this point there are so many robots and they're they have streamlined all human activity, so now all of the humans are unemployed, and they're demanding <laughs> jobs from the robots. So the robots are giving them like completely pointless clerical work, which you then have to program them to
0: do. Well, I mean, clearly, right. it's time for the humans to just go to their moon base right. and let the robots get on with it. Mars, Mars, Mars,
3: Martian over. base. Uh,
0: uh, mm-hmm. So, there's a couple more things here. The true learn... I don't mean... How do you pronounce that? True learn parentheses?
2: Yeah, twil- <laughs> while true colon learn... Like that's that's typical sort of programming format. Like while is while loops have been around forever. Basically, it's just um, you know you say while parameter do whatever. So while true learn actually like if you decode it is literally saying always learn um, because true uh, learn is constantly okay. true. Like it is a variable that always will make the thing happen. Um, so so yeah, it, it's my I haven't played Wild True Learn. I've heard good things. Apparently, the the premise is that you and you have started doing your own like independent programming, but now your cat has turned out to be better than you at it, so you have to like compete with your cat. Um, nice. And that one, from what I understand, is really aimed at like actually teaching coding, which is why I suggested it. Like I haven't picked it up yet. I want to, but. Um, I'm trying to trying to keep a close watch on my finances um, as we've discussed. Yes. So the others, Factorio and Shape as IL, I've played both. They are less in the, the programming area and more in the Zachtronics spatial reasoning territory. Like Factorio is this, it's sort of like if you took Minecraft and just turned it into the Industrial Revolution, um, and you're just like taking all of the raw materials and automating and automating and automating and automating and automating until you're building like spaceships and stuff. Um, <laughs> and it's really addicting. Like it was, it was a very small team that was developing it for a very long time, and they just hit like their 1.0 release. But it's it's really interesting as a game and very well polished at this point. Um, Shape as IO is basically Factorio with all of the the details stripped away. Like it's just a bunch of shapes on a white field that you have to combine in various ways. Um, and it is like five bucks, <laughs> which is nice. Um, both of them are sort of relying on, on you learning how to use the space around you and you know the locations of the resources and the tools at your disposal to optimize and, and automate as much as you possibly can to deliver whatever the, the game asks you to deliver.
0: Hmm. I'm gonna talk to the people at the school where I have to do my student teaching this spring and, and see if they've heard of any of these and what they what they do with as far as programming like I, I feel like these are probably more fun than whatever they do so
2: yeah Gosh, Still.
0: I
3: remember the typing tests and stuff like, I learn how to type. <laughs> I remember that
0: yeah they have a nitro type game that's online now that you like you compete with people to see who types faster okay um, so they've gotten better you know, over the Instead years. Instead of with in of... those ants? <laughs> I, I remember games that had, like, drag-and-drop stuff, like, in an underwater setting or something. Like, yeah, there, was a... there always have been these kind of, like, learning games. Um, but these are, like, really at another level, I think, from what
3: we, yeah.
2: we are... what grew up with. <laughs> well I mean yeah. I remember back like when i was in grade school every time one of those doctor brain games came out they always had one that was programming skills like one of the games huh. in the, the greater the greater like the the doctor brain games were always like a, a an anthology of little mini games that you would play through over the course of you know getting all the bits to make the thing happen um so in like the lost mind of dr brain that was like a, a
1: what was literally
2: called like machine programming, where you would like direct this little avatar around an obstacle course, um, uh, and then there was in the time warp of Doctor Brain, they had like Gridlock, which was a busy city, and you had to like program all of the lights so that all the cars would get to their garages safely without blowing each other up. Um, so you know the. These sorts of things have been around for a while. These sorts of puzzles have been out there for, for you know, as old as I am at this point. Um, but the, it's it's getting perfected. Like it's it's very polished, um, and these little indie developers are really doing a good job of, of making them accessible. I think. Um, so the question in my mind, like the reason why I sent you the email that I did, was you know what exactly do you want to teach, like. Do you want to teach the concepts or do you want to teach the languages? Um, Because if it comes to like the actual coding languages, I'm just old and a dinosaur and I know nothing at this point. Um, Well,
0: that's the thing, right? I mean, like if you teach the language that's useful and they can do stuff with it and they can make things, but the language is going to change. It's going to adapt and evolve, right? And so I feel like all that I feel, you know, qualified or able to do is basically like show people what's out there, and so like here's what the the pros and cons of of the different options might be, right? And like try these ones out because they're free, or like um, it's worth spending a little money on this one because it's really good, or you know stuff like that. So I think more just like reviewing the <clears throat> the um the options. Uh, I think. Also, potentially just sort of in a general way thinking about how games and schools should be talking to each other is like a, a an aspect of what I want to be doing. And so um, finding ways, obviously, to like do literature with games is very near and dear to my heart. But this, the thing that games are probably best at doing is like teaching you how to Think uh, mathematically, logically, right? And that's that's kind of what these are all about. So that's another, you know, another subject, if you like, uh, that we should should be. I don't know, at least providing something uh, for people to look at. So that we're not just like you know the uh, book club of right. video games, but we have some some solid, uh, yeah, engineering and and steam. Or STEM—I guess they call it STEM—but then some places they call it STEAM because you, you throw arts in there too. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And I want you know I want schools to actually use this stuff. Is like what I ultimately want is not not for us to like you know teach a bunch of stuff so much as to like have things and persuade people that they're worth you know getting their hands on them and letting kids try them out in this in the time where they have to be at school anyway. They may right. as well be doing fun stuff. That's how I feel. So yeah. Why? That's that's yeah of it
2: makes
0: sense yeah um this is helpful this is a good i think a good launching point um the little that i've done so far is is when i taught my zelda history sort of class this past summer uh with kids on out school they a lot of them wanted to do programming and like i don't know any programming so the way that i got around that was by saying okay, here's, like, some stuff about the history of the development and, and what that was like. And now here's this thing, like, you know, what it took these, you know, eight uh, highly skilled people a uh, year or so to do back in the old days. Now you can pretty much do that, like, at your house if you want to. Um, so there's this just YouTube video from freecodecamp.org, which is, like, a, it's just, like, an hour or two of some really smart person, like, walking you through how to make a Zelda-like game, basically. Um, And you need a certain amount of, like, computer science background for that. Like, I couldn't really follow it, but I could bluff enough to be like, well, look, like, it's not that hard. Like, just, uh, you know, move some tiles around and, you know, think about how how contact collision is going to work. Like, you know, so I I kind of yesed it a bit, um, but I, I do think that it's, Probably pretty doable for kids with a little bit of computer science and with a teacher who knows what they're talking about. Right. The um, other you thing, know, that, that's a good hook,
2: maybe. Yeah. The other thing you might want to take a look at is there are a lot of games that are sort of increasingly focusing on user made content. Um, like, mm-hmm. I, I remember when Little Big Planet first came out back in the PS3 days. Um, their big selling point was that it included basically its own map maker, and you could, you know, design your own levels with triggers, with, you know, moving pieces to pose a challenge for other players. Um, And other games picked up on that, most notably, you know, there's Super Mario Maker now, which does the same thing. Um, And a lot of people have picked up on that. Like, there are some really ingenious level designs out there if you poke around. Um... So that might also be a really good launching-off point, because I know that we've always been, you know, sort of Nintendo-biased around here. Um, So Mario Maker seems like a really logical place. And I know that there's talk of a Zelda Maker, like people, the rumors are flying. Uh, And I imagine that Nintendo is attentive to that.
0: What is that Dragon Quest one called? Dragon Quest something? Mm. There's, there's like, a a Minecraft-like... Mm-hmm. Dragon Quest, game, but I don't remember what it's Builders. That's it.
3: Dragon Quest Builders. Okay.
2: And Minecraft is. There's recent. a
3: lot of different Minecraft.
2: Yeah, Minecraft itself has Minecraft a lot of programming elements to it. Um, like once, art. Once you get the redstone, you can do all sorts of weird, crazy stuff with it. Yeah,
3: yeah. I was gonna say that's a lot of the um, what you're talking about before with like the the going left or right and like placement and block placement and everything. You kind of got to think in a three D and like where it's going and how many you need and like it's kind of like architect- there's a lot of architecture I guess I would say involved in when in I was little Redstone. I
0: played with Legos but you know like Legos are very expensive yeah. you can lose them you can joke on them they hurt uh, to walk on
2: <laughs> uh,
0: so so yeah I think uh, so what that yeah that is a whole other side of this right the um Mario Makers, the Mm -hmm. RPG Makers, which I think is basically the the guy who made Undertale, I think just used like an RPG Maker. I
2: think uh, so. Yeah. Which is crazy, right? Like, the RPG Makers now are crazy powerful. Um, Like, I've seen some positively wild stuff get thrown out by by RPG Maker users. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, like even, you know, I think we were talking, uh, I think Steve brought it up last week when we were talking about Warcraft 3 and the, you know, how they built Dota mm-hmm. out of the Warcraft 3 map designer. Like, you know, all of that stuff is using programming concepts at various levels of, of sort of, you know, user friendliness and complexity. Um, and there's just so many tools out there now. Like, you know, you, you don't have to know. Virtually anything about coding, and you can pick up Unity and build a game. Like um, as much as you know, I, I was very proud of the fact that I could pretty much code fluently in in C plus plus and Java, and could use all the standard libraries. You know, back in two thousand eight, when that was when those systems were riding high. As much as I'm concerned that like. I have fallen out now that you know Python and Perl have sort of supplanted them, and probably things have supplanted Python and Perl at this point. Be grief, um, but at the same time, I know that like if I actually just picked up Unity, it would probably be no effort to to adapt what I already knew to those systems, um, assuming yeah. I can figure out the interface. Yeah.
0: yeah, well, and like so many things, it's it's really a time thing too. It's like yeah. a prioritizing of time. That's like the whole game, I feel like, right now, really, in education is like, okay, you know, we used to just sort of like, um, try to get through the day, uh, you know, take kids out to recess or whatever, but they've they've been at home for so long, they've lost so much time of, like, actually doing any learning, uh, like, I think it's really going to be a time when education can change pretty dramatically.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: and finding things that are engaging, but also like really high, high you know, rich content, high yield, so to speak, of like, you put in a little bit of time here and you get something out of it. So, yeah, so finding the thing that's going to be really rewarding um, and not just a waste of time for people is uh, is important here, so.
3: I have a question. Uh, I was thinking yeah. about, you know those, like, videos they have where you, like, choose your adventure videos, where you, like, click on them? Totally, yeah. Do they have, like, classes right now where you can, like, do that? like
2: Choose your so adventure the... class? I'd, like, I'd do probably... people do that? I mean, like... it's a good idea, and I'm sure that there's some educational materials out there that do use things like that. I doubt very many, like, run-of-the-mill teachers have employed them under the circumstances, oh. like... I, just from lack of time,
3: like I, yeah. maybe there was like a course or a class that was like out there for certain um, topics or something like that. Um, so that's like the a was...
0: gamification idea. I'm sure they have stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's games uh, there where, like... sorry, you like oh, sorry. you solve by solving math problems. You like get energy points. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you're working as a team or you're working uh, in competition with your class or whatever to see, like, who can uh, get most points or use their points effectively. Um, there's all kinds of variations oh, cool. on those kind of games. But, uh, like, a true choose your adventure, I haven't seen anything quite like that.
2: If I remember um, one of my...
3: That would kind of quote cool for, like, history.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I had Well, yeah, that sort of brings up <laughs> a whole other world. Like, I know a lot of the... the
3: Two different takes, like, who wrote what?
2: well even even bigger than that like some of the grand strategy games that are rooted in the history especially the ones that paradox is bringing out like Hearts of Iron or Europa Universalis or Crusader Kings are so grounded in history and yet have so much power offered to the player that you can literally like change the you know the the lineup of of goods in a certain tradesman's stall and see how that affects the fate of your nation like it's pretty high-level stuff, um, so you can definitely teach history with, with video games for sure. Like a lot of effort has been devoted to that. Um, I also think I remember uh, I had a teacher in high school. It was like one of the most memorable experiences I had as far as like education in high school is concerned. Um, when we were t- talking World War One, he had apparently invented. His own game or something, and like we all were assigned different nations and like with with our own resources and values, and we had to like compete with the other nations to see who won. Like we all had objectives. Like I think I was Serbia, and I, it was like my job to have like influence in the central powers and to control my own country and to also have influence in Russia. Like it was all very, um, very <laughs> like historically motivated, but it was all this, you know, at, for, you know, two weeks we were just engaged in this elaborate skullduggery and we were like plotting behind each other's backs um i remember my my friend kyle who was playing the u.s the two of us made a big hail mary play at the end of the game like it all came down to one die roll whether we were gonna win or lose um yeah so there's definitely so much potential out there because you know the great thing about games pen and paper or you know video games or whatever is that they react to you you get to like tinker with things and see how they respond um and there's something very tactile about that like even more than just touching things but you understand the consequences the causality um it's powerful stuff and there's a lot of there's a lot of untapped potential uh, like a lot of Very interesting games out there that could be educational if somebody sort of.
1: Secret Hitler?
2: (laughs) Yeah, even there. Like, you know, in the right circumstances, you can adapt those mechanics and and learn a lot about civics or about diplomacy or about history or about psychology for that matter, or much less like game theory and, you know, some of the higher level ideas that that very much sit at the root of stuff like that. Uh, like, I got talking with my students this week. Um, it mentions just in passing how much, you know, Monopoly was designed to make people miserable, <laughs> and they just wanted to know more. Mm-hmm. Like, we just kept going down that rabbit hole, and we talked about how the blue shells in Mario Kart help, you know, weaker <laughs> players catch up to, to stronger <laughs> players, and how, you know, Nintendo uses those mechanics all yeah. the time, and how Monopoly has nothing like that. <laughs> um it's fascinating
0: yeah. stuff. I I read uh, at least I read a headline. I didn't read much of the article, um, but I got the gist. I guess I read that Monopoly is based on uh, like a real place, and the values of the streets are like yeah, it's Atlantic like yes, City. Correlated, so- yeah. correlated to like the real values of those places, though. Like, so I had always thought it was just like a fanciful.
2: No, it's it's uh,
0: game world, but it's like a
2: criticism of capitalism hardcore to just, Atlantic City geography. <laughs>
0: real life <laughs> Dude, that's so messed up. And the, the writer points out that the places that are less valuable are also more racially uh like diverse or like they they are segregated even. Yep. Um so there's like a racial component to it as well, which is well, I guess everything in America has, right? And so Lloyd, that that was Super
1: well the good, interesting. The good oh. thing now is that AC is a shithole, so everything's back to being crap. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to Atlantic City, but it's awful. No. I have
2: I um, have heard I the stories. Know. I've never had occasion. I've lived in New Jersey virtually all my life. And I've never had occasion
1: to go to AC. Um Dang dudes,
2: this is
0: a huge missed opportunity. We could have gone there for your bachelor party. <laughs> Why did we go to?
2: (laughs) I think we made the right choice. Um, You only get one bachelor party, after all. I'm I'm sure I could find some miscreants, friends of mine, and and make an AC trip if we really wanted to. Once you know such things are not restricted by social distancing.
0: That could be where we have our first like in-person gathering. Is uh, do like a convention? There's something, or something
2: simultaneously very appropriate and totally inappropriate about that idea. <laughs> like, yes, it is the gaming capital of the East Coast. No, it's a terrible <laughs> idea, especially because we are so closely marketing to kids. Yeah, yeah.
0: Steve, you posted Mario's time machine. I never heard of this. Where would you find out about this?
1: Oh, uh, it's actually really bad. Uh, but yeah, it's like what there's like two uh, edutainment games that uh, Mario or that Nintendo like this was like on the SNES and NES, and it's like Mario's Time Machine and like Mario is missing, yeah, um, really and remember. they're awful.
2: Yep, I've heard. They're very ignominious. The one that I think of, oh talking about I also had typing tutors. Um, yeah, I forget when exactly it happened, but do you remember the old House of the Dead arcade cabinets? Like the oh yeah yeah, yeah. the zombie yeah games yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I know what
1: you're talking about yeah they did you a typing tutor
2: yeah they did a typing tutor called House of the Dead Overkill it is a riot <laughs> what, what have, system was that no on practice. it's it's on like everything you can definitely play it on PC and you can usually find it really cheap I own it it's wonderful. Um, but yeah, I, I know it's on Steam. I'll see if I can track down the link, because it is, again, hilarious. And it, they're clearly just leaning into it. Like, it's just so much B-movie schlock, and it is so absurd and over-the-top. Um, but yeah, Typing of the Dead. They they did, a, they did one, like, originally, way back in, in 1999. They did a Typing of the Dead just because... Sure. Um, but then they were big be- like because that was a thing that they had already done, they, they then went and created yet another game for a more updated uh console and audience. Um so yeah. Quite quite a time. Oh boy. Got my link. Here it is. are yeah, you
1: that's I I had Mario teaches typing when I was growing up.
2: Yeah, that one I remember.
1: Which was uh, yeah, that one was fun. I I mean I didn't get anywhere. Like I, I think to learn typing, it was more when I like AOL and Messenger came out, and like that's yeah. when I became like a really good <laughs> typist because like talking to your friends.
2: Yeah, I re- I remember all the way back true, to to the Beacon teaches typing like. Because I, yeah, would, I yeah. got into it pretty early. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> we would call her Mavis Baker. Yep, that's what I remember. We were so annoyed. But, yep.
3: Weren- weren't there ants in one of them? I think that was the next one that came out after that. Guess... Type of some ants.
2: I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy.
3: There's a series of the Nintendo, like, um, Mario teaches.
2: Yep. I find no, it's it also bad. so weird. Just ants? None of my students know how to type anymore. It's like that entire skill only existed for 20 years. Um, and you know, yeah. the, the propensity to teach it had sort of evaporated with our generation because now everybody's using the tablets and phones and stuff. So, you know, like Sarah can type faster on her phone than I can. But, you know, you give me a keyboard and I can blow her out of the water in most cases
0: yeah and i don't feel like we do a very good job of teaching kids a lot of things but um but something like that you know like steve said like if you can get them to want to learn it for some reason because they're talking to their friends it's useful to them then they'll learn it but uh but yeah if you've got a phone i guess that's probably faster or at least more convenient. What they really need is the ASCII keyboard controller for the game.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, that's a hoot. Oh, okay. gosh. Yeah, I got a
2: portable keyboard for my for my phone, Thanks. just in case. I forget what the occasion was. that Oh, right, it's because my laptop's keyboard was not behaving because I only buy old crappy computers.
3: Have you seen the ones yeah. that are like laser keyboards? or, like, what? hologram?
2: That sounds... Yeah, a, like, a uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I've, I've seen never that. Actually i those anything, but... Yeah. <laughs> just start, like, I'm not sure blinking. how well they work. Yeah, But, I, yeah, I it just, questions. like,
3: displays it with a laser, and you just type in... Cool.
1: Whatever. I feel like that's Surfing. that would be awful.
2: Right? You I don't that. know how it works. Yeah, the well, you backwards. need that like tactile feel.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. The keys, finding yeah. Finding like, Punch the keys. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I <laughs> think we, all all hang we should,
0: up we should up go phone. back to. I think we should go back to typewriters.
2: We <laughs> <laughs> can't. I am tempted. I admit it. I, I mean, you remember back when we were at the lit house and they had all those Underwood typewriters just floating around? And I'm just mm-hmm. g- getting about them. <laughs>
0: I think my brother has an old typewriter from our grandparents' house that he has as like a conversation piece. But maybe he actually uses it. I don't know.
2: That's yeah, one but point.
0: That's yeah, someday that'll be, you know, a keyboard. It'll be that uh, antiquated, I guess. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a night, guys. I really like uh how the first burns and apologies went thanks for gripping that and, and mm-hmm. making that happen um 2-1 <laughs> in my book, in my book we all win uh when we yell at each other about video games and you guys were just, I think you yeah. were too like, mm-hmm. too nice the, the kid gloves never really came off so i i don't feel like we can declare a winner until there's there's uh, a little more sweat blood and tears
1: uh, well, the- I, yeah, I mean, I've, I, you know, I think the the problem is like, neither of us had really played the other person's game. I, I mean, right. you know, I know, I know, bet you played like two hours, but I don't, you know, so you played uh, I more than I played uh, Dagon Rampa or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's like hard to be like, oh, yeah, well, like, you know, I couldn't like point out any flaws about like why that game sucked. Right. Um, yeah it was like harder to do like a comparison it was it was like we were you know like one of us was playing chess and one of us was playing checkers it's like it just didn't really translate
2: <laughs> right right mm, all
0: right well we should we should think of a game that we've we've got a solid you know if not 100%ed then then put in enough time to where you can appreciate it but yet you know call out its flaws and uh, and and really Go to town with it next time. Uh,
1: yeah, but it sounds was, uh, good. Effort, Ben. I have a question for you. Sure. Do Do you have the uh, DLC for uh, Nier Automata? Oh yeah. Oh,
2: I I think so. I think it was provided free when I uh, bought the game on Steam originally. So if I'm, yeah, okay. I might very well be including it without knowing it. Like I know that it's localized i think but um yeah i think i've got it i'm not entirely sure and at the moment like did you get
1: did you get the mysterious letter with like coordinates on it
2: Uh, i don't think so maybe that
1: yeah all right i was just wondering
2: okay yeah, it looks like there is a DLC that I do not have for it. The three C three C one D one one nine four four zero nine two seven, because of course. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'll have to um, at some point.
1: Well, at, at one point, uh, and I don't I this. I don't think this is spoilers. It has nothing to do with the story. At one point, you can fight the uh, CEO of Square Enix and uh, Platinum Games.
2: That sounds legit. Which
1: is pretty yeah. weird. That
2: sounds uh, within their. Yeah,
1: it, well, yeah, well, and then, you know, the, the CEOs are beating you up when you're like uh, uh, 2B. So it's like, you know, domestic violence against women. I'm mm-hmm. surprised that they put that into a game. It, oh, it was man. very jarring when I'm like seeing it uh, to be getting, like, uppercutted and, like, curb-stomped uh, yeah. by two <laughs> CEOs. But Ugh. anyway.
3: Probably get a revenge. Oh, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. yeah this is going to come up, I think, in the next one, because we, we fight, yeah, at the end of the Forest King card we'll, we'll fight a, a lookalike. So that, that was... Striking to me as well, watching you play that part. Actually, Um, yeah. All right, so we'll we'll revisit this. All right, you guys. uh, Have a good night, y'all. All All
3: right. Thank you. Yep. Bye, guys. Thanks. Take care. Good Good night.